Um, my name is Ralph. Um, I've been around this church for a long time. Came here as a student in 2005, which is 16 years ago. Can you believe that? That's a long time. Um, and um, yeah, haven't left, as you can tell. So I was a student here, intern here, and I've been on staff since 2008 in various roles, um, mostly to do with students. Um, so at the moment, I head up a, um, a project called the Campus Project, formerly known as Campus Awakening, which um, basically is just kind of our church's um, desire to bless students in Manchester and beyond. So um, kind of, I'm working on that at the moment with Karim and Luca, just trying to um, help students release God's kingdom on campus. And that's a lot of fun. But um, also what's super exciting is uh, in the last few months, I've kind of taken on a new role um, at Vine Life, uh, heading up small groups. Um, do, I don't know if it has a title yet. I'm going with small groups coordinator. Um, I started off with small group captain. I thought that was quite good. Uh, you know, marshal of small groups, maybe a little too... Uh, uh, intense, but um, if you've got any suggestions, let me know, because I'm, I'm up for it. But uh, doing all stuff for small groups, um, and that's what I'm going to be talking about today. But it's also not what I'm going to be talking about today as well. So um, we are, as hopefully you've picked up um, through what John was sharing and through the weekly, um, we are starting a new um, season of small communities in Vine Life uh, tomorrow. Uh, the very first group is tomorrow. So um, Small groups are happening again, and we're really excited about them. And so we thought it just would make a lot of sense if, um, as a church, we kind of got on the same page. Like, um, you know, everyone will have had various experiences of um, churches and sort of small communities within churches, small groups, life groups, cell groups, whatever you will have called them, um, which is great because it means most people have got some kind of frame of reference for what that means. But it also can be tricky as well, because um, if everyone has what they think is the same frame of reference, but is actually slightly different, um, it can lead to a bit of confusion. And you're just like, some people are expecting some things and other people are expecting others. And so hopefully, at the end of today, you'll have a real sense of um, what we're going after as a church um, and what that means for you. And actually what that might mean for this city as well. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Um, so let's pray. <laughs> right. Father, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you've got good things for us. And Lord, I thank you that you're leading us. God, that you give us um, creativity and innovation and ideas, but ultimately we're being led by you, Holy Spirit. And it's you that makes things grow. So Lord, I give this morning to you and I give this next season to you as well, God, that you would come and do whatever it is you want to do that we'd be led by you and shaped by you. God, and that we'd um, shine your light wherever we are to the people and places around us. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I've kind of told you what we're doing today, but um, my, my hope is we will, it, you know, we are thinking about small groups, but um, the reason I said we're also not thinking about small groups is because it's not just about, uh, here's a massively long notice telling you to do something you are probably already going to do anyway. Um, the reason why we're doing this um, is because actually we believe that there's a way of doing community that can turn the world upside down. And we get to choose how to respond to that as a church. And we, one of the primary ways that we're going to do that is through small groups. But ultimately, it's about us as individuals and as a collective being like, yeah, actually, there's something in this that's going to make a difference. 
And it's not just about whether or not I've signed up to something on the internet or I go along to something once a week. It's about fundamentally believing that there's a way that God wants to knit us together that I believe can actually impact the world around us. So um, please hear both of those things when we're talking today. Like, uh, hear about small groups, hear about more as well. Um, so I don't, I don't know what your experience of small groups has been. Like, um, for me, like, I remember as an 18-year-old, 2005, uh, coming away to what was uh, Manchester Vineyard at the time. Um, both my sisters were already here. Gemma's here. I don't know if Helen's anywhere. I can't see her. Um, she's at work. Great. She's always at work. Saving people's lives. Um, and I remember coming to, uh, coming to church and like, I'd, I'd been to visit once or twice and I knew it was great, um, but also I was a bit aware of like, being um, the, the little brother and sort of not wanting to sort of, you know, steal friends, which was an issue for us growing up. Um, and uh, <laughs> I looked in Gemma's direction, it was all her fault. Um, and I remember the, the first week I came to, uh, came to Reach, we used to have a young adults evening service called Reach. And, um, uh, I went and it was great and then uh, went home to my uh, dorm at Victoria Hall afterwards and uh, I was chatting with Jem on MSN Messenger. Remember that? Yeah. Um, it, you know, it was great. Ask your parents about it if you don't know what it is. And um, she's just like, how did you find church? And I was like, oh, um, and I was like, oh, I really liked it, but I need to kind of play it cool. And so I was trying to um, be like, yeah, it was great, but I'm sure I'll, you know, it's a big church. I'm sure I'll find my own friends and all this kind of stuff. And um and I remember like maybe the week after or two weeks after that, I was um, back at Reach and I was, um, I still really remember it, I was walking across that sticky floor in K2 and, um, and someone grabbed me by the arm and it was Darren Ellsmore. Anyone remember Darren Ellsmore? Um, and he, so I knew Darren, he, uh, he lived with James, who's married to Helen, so James is now my brother-in-law, so I'd met him a couple of times already, but he just grabbed me on the arm and said, Ralph, we'd really love you to come to our life group. And I still remember that moment because I was just like, oh, that was the moment that's like, oh, this isn't, doesn't just have to be my sister's church. This, like, actually, this can be the church that I belong to. And it was just that simple invitation of someone noticing me walking past and being like, hey, do you want to come and be part of this thing? And that I was like, yeah, yeah, I really do. And it, that, was, that was sort of the start of my journey from going from attending a church to being a member of one. And it, it was inconvenient, you know, like um, it was the same night as football training. It was in Levensheim. I lived in um, near the hospital. So like there were plenty of reasons to not go. Like I didn't really, well, it turns out I did know some people in the group, but I didn't really, didn't know that I did. And, um, but there was just something about the strength of that invitation. There was like, yeah, I'm going to get past any sense of inconvenience or awkwardness because I want to be part of something. I want to belong to something. And um, that was amazing. And like, actually... That's not getting anything on. Um, <laughs> um, it was, it was that. It was in that space that I um, that I started to grow. Like actually, for the first time as an adult, really, um, actually got to sort of be around other Christians that were um, that were just living normal lives, but going after Jesus. And and so whether it was as simple as like praying out loud in a group or sharing my story or sharing a prophetic word with someone, there was just that group was just an amazing way that I really took hold of what it meant for me to be a Christian. Um, and yeah, I probably would have found my way into one eventually, but it was that invite at the start from Darren that, that really made the difference. Um, and then again, th I was thinking about other small group stuff, like um, so many funny things that I could tell you, but I was just like, 
um, thinking about the first year that I started leading a group. So I was in that group for a year, and then the um, sort of shout out went out on the Reach Forum, saying, does anyone want to lead a life group next year? And I was like, yes, I want to do that. And again, it was kind of awkward and kind of inconvenient. Like I was this 19-year-old kid that didn't really know anyone, and, and I started leading the group um, with a girl called Alice, who was brilliant, but I, again, I didn't, I didn't really know her, and, and there was just a handful of us, and, and you know, they all had proper jobs, and I was a student, and we'd sit around and... Um, sing songs slightly awkwardly and, and sort of, you know, getting to know each other. It, it, was, it was bumpy in it, and, but it was amazing. It was amazing. And it's like, oh, there's something about that place that um, was just really, just really accelerated what I think God was doing in me. And I, actually, I think, you know, we did, uh, we did boring stuff together. We did fun stuff together. We had one uh, rollerblading, roller boot social that ended up in A&E. Um, which, you know, wasn't the best, but it was we genuinely, like, I know it's cheesy, but like doing life together. And I think it was because of, um, because of those groups that, um, like for me, being part of church was the best thing about being a student in Manchester. Which I don't know if that's in any prospectuses, but I doubt it is. But for me, that was totally true. And, you know, like, I wonder what your experiences have been of small groups. Probably, probably mixed, probably some good, probably some bad, probably some awkward, probably some hard bit of everything. Um, so I wonder even just like any stories like pop into your mind or just kind of can you remember how you felt when you first went to one or when you're like that awkward knock on the door like oh is this the right house you know all that kind of stuff. But um, even when it is hard and I'm sure we all have had those experiences like um, you know because when we when we're doing real life with people like it you know there's going to be ups and downs and good and bad and ugly and there's going to be challenges and but isn't it so much better that those things actually matter? Like, isn't it so much better that what's going on in someone else's life might actually have an impact on me? And I'm not just insulated from it, and I'm just doing my own thing in my own space, and then going to other people when I happen to need something. Like, isn't it so much better when we're doing it together? And, you know, and, and similarly, isn't it so much better when there's a sense of, like, common purpose? Like, yeah, we might just be this random group of people that's meeting in the middle of Rush Home and singing some songs, talking about an old book. But there's this sense of actually, like, God is doing something. And together, as a, as a community, we're going after something purposeful. And, like, isn't it so much better to have that, even with the hard, even with the challenge, even with the awkward, even with the inconvenient, even with the new? Like, isn't that so much better? And um, so thinking about... What does the Bible say about small groups? Um, nothing, <laughs> but also a lot. Um, in the sense that, like, I haven't actually found the passage entitled, How to Lead a Small Group, and these are all the things that you should do. And do you know what? Uh, if, I, if you have found that passage, please let us know, because I think globally, the worldwide church has spent a lot of collective energy and resource on working out how best to organize uh, midweek small groups which are all essentially the same thing. Um, but the Bible has a lot to say about what it looks like to follow Jesus together and to love and encourage and support one another along the way. And ultimately, when we're thinking about small groups, that's what we want them to be. Like, that's the most important thing. So actually, what can we learn from the Bible? What can we learn from the life of Jesus about how to follow him? about how to center our lives around him and how to look out for one another along the way. Um, 
And one of my favorite passages for this is Acts 2. Um, so I've spoken about this already a few months ago, and last week if you were at a Small Leaders meeting. Um, and we, uh, we looked at it as part of our Acts series, which we haven't forgotten about, by the way. Um, it's, uh, it's all there on the internet, the first, kind of, first half of it. And um, I'm going to share some of what I shared in the summer from Acts 2.42. But if you want to get a bit more in-depth on that, then please go back and uh, listen to it. But um, I'm just going to give you the, sort of the highlights this afternoon. Um, but let's read it together. So if you've got a Bible, Acts 2, starting at verse 42. It's called The Fellowship of the Believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who were believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who had been saved. So, yeah, I think, I mean, this is a classic verse. Um, Quite often we, we, this passage, we kind of ask it to do too much for us. And we think like, this is just the, like, if we can get the settings just right and do church exactly like it says here, then we'll get the daily people added who have been saved. Um, but I think what I want to really pull out today and why I think it's relevant for small groups and what, what to expect and actually what to bring to small groups um, is two things that I want to look at specifically. The first of them being activity. So what do we do? Second, being attitude. Kind of what's going on underneath that. Um, so if you remember the, the context for um, where this passage comes, it's at the end of that, um, the sort of the initial move in Acts, Acts it's hard to say, um, that happens as a result of Pentecost. So there's the, the promised outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happens on the day of Pentecost. This incredible thing that's been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds of years finally happens. God pours out his spirit on all flesh and, and revival in its truest sense breaks out. Um, and then we get this um, passage at, kind of at the end of that. Um, a little, it's kind of like a summary. And I, I think that's really significant because what we're seeing is that um, Luke's describing the kind of community that emerged as a result of God pouring out his spirit. So, like, God pours out his spirit, and cool stuff happens, um, and then Luke's like, this is the kind of community that was birthed out of that. This is what it looked like as, as a result of that outpouring. But also, this is the kind of community that sustained that. You know, Acts was written quite a way after the stuff happened. It wasn't like it was happening and scribbling it down. Like, actually... It's this kind of community that sort of was shaped by, by God's spirit and actually became a channel for God's spirit into Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's the kind of thing that actually gave birth to what we're doing now. Um, 
So thinking about activity, uh, verse 42 is very specific. And they devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Um, so there's four things here that uh, N.T. Wright describes as the pillars of the church. So we've got teaching, fellowship, communion, prayers. All relatively self-explanatory. But, you know, teaching is like um, learning about God and applying it to our lives. Um, fellowship, that sense of... Um, yes, friendship, yes, connection, yes, togetherness, but kind of like more than that. Like N.T. Wright describes it as friendship plus. The sense of like, there's not just proximity, there's not just closeness, there's not just being around each other. There's like um, belonging to one another. Like, um, that's what I think when I think about fellowship. You know, we talk about membership of something, you know, and you think about, was oh, that if I've paid the subscription and, you know, got the, got the card? But actually, yeah, to be a member is to like, be part of the same body. And that's what we're talking about, you know, Christ the head and we're part of the same body. So there's teaching, there's fellowship, um, and then communion, the breaking of bread. And I think this is really significant because we think about the, the act of communion, usually in a setting like this. So kind of a corporate um, way of worshipping a, a sacrament, um, which it totally is. But as well, it was like it was a feature of day-to-day life, like the breaking of bread and the fact that everyone was doing what Paul said to do, which was when you get together, remember what Jesus said. Like, go back to the Last Supper. Remember what Jesus said. He said, you know, do this in remembrance of me. Um, so it's kind of, it's recognizing that Jesus is right in the center, that he's the, he's the head that the whole body's connected to. But also, again, this is N.T. Wright, he says, when we're taking communion, when we're breaking bread, when we're sharing wine, we're, um, we're waving the flag for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And we're like, this is the thing that sets us apart. This is why we're not just a social club. This is why we're not just, you know, anything else. Like, we are the body of Christ because Jesus lived, he died, and resurrected again, and that changes everything. So that's why um, communion is so central. And then the fourth one, prayer. Um, so, like, again, this is N.T. Wright, but he describes it as um, being heaven and earth people. So the reason why prayer should characterize any kind of spirit-led community is because we're recognizing that we aren't, it isn't just about what's here and now. That there's something more, and there's, there's this beautiful connection between heaven and earth that happened um, ultimately in Jesus, and we now get to partake in that, and we get to petition God, and we get to hear from him, and we get to actually move his hand and be shaped by him and, and be heaven and earth people. And for me, so that includes like the, in the prayer in the very obvious sense, but also it's like it's times of worship, times when we're turning our attention to him, times of um, like being led by the spirit and prophetic encouragement, all that kind of stuff. It's being a heaven and earth people. And um, for us, like when we're thinking about small groups, these are what we want the whole groups of our hallmarks of our small groups to be. It doesn't mean that every week we do like equally split and do like 15 minutes teaching, 15 minutes fellowship, 15 minutes communion, you know, that kind of thing. But like these are the hallmarks. Like actually if you're part of a group, if you're showing up in a group, this is what we want you to experience and this is what we want you to bring, like these kind of things. Like each group's going to find its own rhythm, especially, especially in this first season. Like we, we're, we were chatting with the leaders last week and just encouraging each other to take it slowly. Like we've all had an intense 18 months. So um, we're going to really prioritize um, enjoying each other's company, hearing each other's stories, praying for one another. But um, just want you to know that these are kind of, 
These are going to be the hallmarks of the groups that you're going to find. So that, that's the activity. And I think the key thing is, for me is about, it's about going after the Jesus and building lives around his kingdom and not just being another social group. Like, but what about the attitude? And um, not that it's a competition. It's not like either activity or attitude, which one's more important. But I think actually, um, without the right attitude, then the activity is kind of pointless. Um, like I, so I think it's, it's having the right attitude that then the activity comes from. So you could use all sorts of different words to describe it. You could talk about the heart of the group, you know, um, what's, kind of, what's kind of going on within you all, both collectively and, and individually. And, um, but the idea is that kind of the attitude, the heart, the spirit of your group, you know, the thing, the thing that's real within it, but that you can't see necessarily. I think that's what I understand by spirit, like something that's real, but is non-physical. Um, it's that stuff that's ultimately gonna fuel any activity. Like the activity is great, and you, you know, we're kind of, we're gonna do stuff, and hopefully it's gonna take us places we wanna go. But um, without that kind of heart or attitude or spirit, like, um, then that's not gonna go anywhere. Like actually, that's what allows the activity to make any difference, and ultimately, that's the thing that, that we all experience together and the thing that's going to stay with us along the way. So what about the attitude then? Well, um, let's reread verses 44 to 47. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who have been saved. So um, picking out some of the attitudes here, the first one that jumps out to me is that people wanted to be close to one another. So much so that they orientated their lives to make that possible. Like it was a priority to them to, be, to have proximity, to be close to one another. Now, what that looks like in Manchester in 2021 is up, up for debate, like, and probably depending on your socio-political views, um, may look like all sorts of different things. Um, but ultimately, it's like the proximity of the believers to one another was paramount. And so they, and they organized their lives in such a way that they were close to one another. That was, that was an attitude. Similarly, they saw what they had, their possessions, their resources, as something that wasn't owned individually, but was shared, was, was available corporately. You know, if anyone had any need, they would find it in the, in the community of believers. And that's absolutely talking about material, physical need. But I think as well, it's talking about, um, you know, what other resources are, are out there. Now, emotional resources, spiritual resources, experience, wisdom, insight, all this kind of stuff, everything that each person had, their attitude was, this isn't just me, mine for me to use at my best, for my benefit. Like actually this belongs to all of us. And if anyone has need of it, I'm gonna share it with them. And then the third attitude in there is, um, I love that, I love the little phrase at the end, glad and generous hearts. 
glad and generous hearts. And it was the gladness and the generosity in the hearts that basically was like the oil in the engine. That was the thing that, that made them go, you know, like, and if you think about an engine without any oil, it sort of, maybe it can go for a little bit, but eventually it will splutter and stop and seize up and, and stop working. And, and actually, if we don't have glad and generous hearts to one another, all this stuff's going to be performance or obligation or, or just stuff we don't do anyway. And um, I love generosity, like generosity, that sounds amazing, I love generosity. Um, give me some money. Um, <laughs> And often, like, you think about generosity and you think about buying someone a drink or lending them a fiver or giving them a lift home when they're 30 seconds out of your way. You're like, oh, aren't I so generous? Um, but actually, when I think about generosity, when I try to think about generosity, it's like, that for me epitomizes Jesus' posture towards us. You know, it, it epitomizes the, the agape, the sacrificial love that Jesus, who um, had everything, chose not to consider that divine privilege as something to be used for himself or for his own benefit, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself. He limited himself. He, he became a man and lived and died and suffered and bled for us so that we could find our way back to the Father. You know, it's because God so loved the world that he gave his son. Like Generosity is, is the thing that makes it all work. And not just sort of convenient generosity, but that sense of like, this isn't about me. It's not all for me. So I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to spend it on someone else. Even if that costs me, even if I have to, even if I have to limit myself, even if I have to look less or smaller. Like actually, if, if it's for the benefit of what God's doing, it's worth it. And so I think that's an attitude we need for everything. Like, this is why I'm saying it's about small groups, but it's not about small groups. Like, but ultimately, like, if we're going to have the kind of community that I think they experienced in Acts, and I think people are hungry for, then if we don't have generosity, then it's just not going to work. And there's two quotes that, again, I shared in the summer, but um, I'm going to share them with you again, just because they're great. Um, the first is from a prayer book called May It Be So, um, which is like a sort of, it's a um, com collaboration between uh, someone writing the prayers and someone drawing cool little pictures. Um, you don't need to know that. Anyway, this guy called Justin McRoberts said this. May I receive as a gift those to whom I have been given. May I receive as a gift those to whom I have been given. And I love this. It's just like, you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. And then you sort of like hear it. Oh yeah, may I receive as a gift those to whom I have been given. And I love the mutuality of it. I love how it, it sort of breaks away from the sense of one person gives and one person takes. Um, and sort of thinking about small groups, that there can be a lot of trepidation around it, I think, especially at the moment where we're basically starting from scratch. Like there's no kind of groups running. We're all just like, go. Um, and there can be a sort of like, well, I wonder what it's going to look like. You know, like, who, who am I going to get? Um, what's this, who's going to get this big piece of me? Like actually, because, you know, what we're talking about isn't 
isn't like low key. Like actually it's quite a high bar. Like even just from the very fact of time, like, like, yeah, I'm going to go to this thing once a week. That's a big commitment. And you're like, who's going to get that off me? And um, what I love about this is like, what if we could trust God with that? What if we could trust that actually he knows and that he's got a place for us? He's got a family for us. And that um, actually part of it isn't just about what I'm going to receive or who's going to take from me or any of that, but actually like that there's a blessing, that there's a gift, that there's benefit in the people that I'm given to. And actually not just I'd be like, oh, okay, I've been given to those people. All right, I better do something about it. Be a good Christian. But actually like, may I receive that as a gift? And how awesome if everyone is doing it. You know, that's, that sense of we're all receiving each other as a gift. Like, this is amazing. The second quote is uh, a little less nice. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. Those who love their dream of community more than they love the actual people become destroyers of it. Even if, even if they're doing it for all the right reasons, honestly, earnestly, and sacrificially. And uh, like, it's just important to remember because so often we, like, we have the idea of something. You know, we have the idea of how great our small group might be. That we, you know, we'd, we'd have all these nice times together and all these amazing worship sessions and hear from the Lord and have all these breakthroughs. And, but if we're not careful, we get so drawn into the, like, loving the idea of it that we forget what the whole point is to love the actual people actually in front of us. And that whole thing of, you know, like, um, I think being able to walk through the hard stuff being able to walk through when it's awkward, when you're getting to know one another, when, you know, maybe you're praying for stuff and it, it doesn't happen. Like, all of that stuff, like, it can, it can easy to be, it's easy to get lost if we love the idea of it. We love the idea of what church should be. But when you love the actual people instead of what you hoped that they might be, that's the key. And include yourself in that list. Like loving the actual person rather than the person that you hoped you might be. So when I, um, one of the kind of, I, I want to say picture, but I don't, I don't feel like the Lord said this to me. I was just, I'm recognizing we're in a charismatic environment. Um, when I was thinking about school groups, one of the ways it made sense in my head in a pictorial form. Uh, <laughs> you can decide whether it's prophetic or not, um, was of, I just pictured this flower bed. And in the flower bed were uh, loads of different plants that kind of represented the different groups. Uh, and they were, you know, different seeds. And so they're different plants. They had different flowers, different fruit. Um, but ultimately, they were all in, in the same flower bed. So that meant they had the same soil. And they were growing up the same trellis. And they were all within the same environment. And so I was thinking, like, that felt to me like a really good way of describing how I'd love our small groups to look. That they're not all exactly the same, doing exactly the same thing. Each is going to find their own rhythm, and they're going to have their own fruit and their own flowers and their own shape and their own features. 
but they're all growing up the same trellis. And that's kind of the activity stuff. So these are the things that we think, actually, these are really good ideas. They're out there in the Bible, and I think these are going to train growth in the right direction. So we're all going to grow up the similar, like, same trellis. We're all in, in the same environment. We're, we're part of the same family. Like, God's leading us the same way. We're not, we're not independent communities. We're all we're part of the same thing. And actually, and, and hopefully, there's going to be a similar spirit, like that sense of generosity and sacrifice and want to be close to each other. And so we're all, we all share that. But I just wanted to make one final note on what I think the soil is. So the thing that each different seed with all its different potential is planted into. And for me, that's, I kind of hinted at it already, but it's, it's the reason why the groups exist and the reason why I hope that people want to go to them and be part of them. And it's two things. It's spiritual formation and hospitality. To boil everything down, strip it all away, what we want our groups to be about is spiritual formation and hospitality. And I think these are the things that are going to set apart these groups from being just like, yeah, like social groups, extra things, stuff to do, and actually being, you know, outposts of heaven. Places where God might pour his spirit. Places that will channel his spirit to the world around. And the phrase I've been using, which is... Um, bit more conversational isn't it it's like following Jesus together and looking out for one another along the way like growing as disciples and making more meaningful connections and so with um with that spiritual formation with that discipleship growing whatever you want to use it it's basically a kind of commitment to a journey so what what we're saying with small groups is we're on a journey together and hopefully what we're saying as followers of Jesus is that we're not just set. We didn't just kind of meet God one day, um, get our ticket to heaven, everything's sorted, and now there's certain duties and obligations and patterns we have to follow as a resolve. Fundamentally, as believers, we want to grow, right? We want to look more like Jesus. We want, to, you know, we want to, the, the edges to be knocked off us. We want to know what's going on inside, like, and... You want to grow, like, and, and even though God loves us absolutely, wherever he finds us, he doesn't leave us there, does he? Like, he wants us to grow. With, there's transformation, there's renewal, restoration, all these words that kind of characterize the arc of God's story that ultimately ends in all things being new. Like, that's true for us. And so we want the groups to be on that journey. And we want you to show up to groups hungry for that. Like, actually, I want to grow. I want to look more like Jesus. I want to help you more like Jesus. Because that's, that's where we're going together. Eugene Peterson describes it as uh, long obedience in the same direction. We like, you never arrive. It's not like, okay, right, well, if you do small groups really well for a year, you'll have got there and you can just coast. Like, it's just, oh, there's always more. And that sense of growth is really key. And this, the second thing is like, we want the groups to be places of hospitality. And it's, it's easy to hear that word and think dinner parties. And yet, sure, that's true. But that's just such a small part of it. Like hospitality is, is openness. It's, like, it's a commitment to being together and sharing what you have. And that being more important than convenience or other things. Like actually... It's a heart of genuine acceptance. That actually, 
This can be hope. Not because we're all especially good people and like, yes, this is where you can finally find the place that was made for you because we're so good. Like, not at all. But actually because we're all loved completely by the one who is good. And he shows us how to love each other by the way that he loves us. And we get to experience that with each other. We want small groups to be in places where we embody unrestricted welcome. Unrestricted welcome. The kind of welcome that we've all felt from God. The welcome that looks like the, the, the father running towards the prodigal son and grabbing him in. We've all experienced that. And so kind of we want these groups to be places where we get to experience that together and actually extending it to one another and making it available to anyone who would want it. Anyone and everyone. So in terms of what's next, like what's the activation? Well, it's pretty simple. Go to a small group. Um, get involved. Um, and I know that's, particularly in this season, that is easier said than done. I totally appreciate that. Um, but it's our desire that everyone in this church family would find their way into a small group. That, you know, rather than just being a church that happens to have them, we'd be a church of small groups. And um, so, yeah, like I said, I know that's going to be hard, and, like whether that's just a seasonal thing, whether that's locations, whether that's looking after kids, all this kind of stuff, recognize that there's challenges and it's going to be a process and it's going to, going to take us a while. Like, you know, we're, we, we're, yeah, we're going to feel our way into it together. But I just want to say kind of it's our desire that everyone will find their place in a small group. And, you know, in that, it's okay to try a few out. Like we've said a few times, like um, everyone's starting from the same place, so feel free to work out where's best for you. But we hope that that's where we're going. Um, practically speaking, like finelife.co.uk slash small groups um, should flash up there. That's, that's kind of got all, that's got the details for everyone. Um, but probably what would be easier is if you're leading a small group this year, sorry, I didn't warn you about this. Do you mind standing up? Yay, give them a clap. Yay. Um, great. This isn't everyone, but so Ben and Elizabeth are going to be leading one together. Ruth's going to be leading one with Barney. Alicia's leading one with Karim. Neil and Sarah. Matthew and Effie. Rob and Susie. Other people that aren't here. They're not as good. Um, that's a joke. Oh, sorry. Um, go and speak to these guys afterwards. Um, that's the easiest way to get involved. But um, also, it's all there on, online. And um, also to say that we will be adding some more groups in the weeks and probably months to come just because we re like, we're just working it out. And what would be really great is some feedback in terms of actually, yeah, I'd love to get involved. This all sounds amazing. But um, there's none on the night that work for me or there's, I live miles away and can you help me out? So the more info you can give me about that, the better, because we do like, we've not finished. Like we want to add more groups. Um, but as well as getting yourself in a group, kind of my other encouragement to you to be was, can you help someone else get in a group? Could you be someone's Darren Ellsmore? Could you grab someone on the shoulder and say, I'd love you to come to my group, or go to this group, or like, oh, have you found a small group yet? There's one that's meeting really near you. Let me introduce you to the leaders. Because what you're doing there isn't just helping us like catch everyone. What you're doing when you're, you're saying to that person, I want you to be part of this thing. I want you to belong to it. So wouldn't it be amazing if like, as a community, we could help our community find 
those small groups. Especially at the moment, like church suite's quite weird to sort of, um, especially like a brand new group to go online and put, if you don't know anyone, be like them. Um, it's so much easier to actually have a conversation. So let's help each other do that. All right, I'm nearly done. Sorry, I'm going, I've gone long. Um, so we do want everyone in church to be part of a small group, if possible. But that's not what, hoping, what we're hoping and dreaming for. Like, that's just something that we think is going to be important and help us along the way. But that is not the sum total of our hopes and dreams. Like I said at the start, like we see in Acts that there's a way of doing community that can turn the world upside down. And wouldn't it be awesome to see that again? Like, come and do that again, God. You know, and we see in Acts that healthy community forms around God, is led by him. And it follows an outpouring of the spirit and outpouring of the spirit and then channels that outpouring to the world around it, to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So like, I, I want to see that again. Like actually, could there be a way that like God's spirit shapes our community? That forms us and then flows out of us to Ardwick, to Greater Manchester, and the ends of the earth. And so you know, at the start of the season with small groups, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're not doing anything particularly innovative or new or creative. But my prayer is that actually there would be a new wineskin. Like that God would form us in a new way that he could actually pour out something new into us. Something new that would refresh. That would intoxicate. You know, that new wine that would just change everything like it's not because we think the wineskin is so amazing like but actually like praying that god would do something new like as a community in this city like a community amongst lots of communities amongst this huge community of the body of christ like there'll be a new thing god would do something new because how much does the world need it like how much in all of the turbulence and all of the complexity that we see around us does the world need the body of Christ? Does it need the kind of community that, that we read about in Acts? The kind of person that's following Jesus and loving one another? Like, how much does Manchester in 2021 need people that are embodying that? Not just people on their own, like pockets of people. And this goes way beyond just us. This isn't just about, you know, can Vine Life fix it? Because we can't. But it's about us being like, yeah, there's, there's something we can do. And so like, if we can create pockets of people that are journeying towards truth, you know, journeying towards greater understanding of what's real, you know, people who are learning that unrestricted welcome, how to love across borders and boundaries and differences, you know, people who are waving the flag for salvation, saying actually true hope is only found in Jesus. You know, people who are seeing ever-increasing signs of God's kingdom, of heaven coming to earth, looking more like he always intended. Like, not just here, but across the body of Christ, how much does the world need it? And so we want small groups to be a part of that, absolutely. And that's how we're positioning them. But we want us as a church to be like, yeah, let's be those people that have got those glad and generous hearts, that are laying our lives down for one another. 
all this thing I've just talked about. So um, I'm going to pray. God, thank you that you are in yourself community of mutual love and mutual submission. And that we learn how to love one another because of how you've loved us. And I pray that um, by the start of this academic year, God, there will be a new season for our church, a greater depth of community. Thank you for what we've already seen, but I just pray for more. I pray that there would be something new that is formed by you and that channels you to the people and places around us. God, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like or exactly how to do it, but we want to be people that are following you together and loving one another along the way. So I just pray a blessing over this next season. I pray a blessing for everyone leading groups. I pray a blessing for everyone joining groups that you would knit us together as a community supernaturally quickly. And that, God, you would do something remarkable amongst us. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Um, we've got maybe two minutes, I think. To, is that clock right? I have no idea if that's right. Um, so here's what I wanted to do. In the spirit of, it's about small groups, but it's not about small groups. It's like, it's not about us. So I want us to pray for the communities around us, if that's okay. So here's how I'd love to do it. We've, we've not got a ton of time, and if at any point you need to go and get your kids to go and do that. But um, I would love if just in the kind of groups around you, if you feel comfortable and you don't have to, um, to maybe... Uh, just pray for five minutes for whatever happens to be on your heart. If you don't want to do that, it's totally fine just to sit and pray and that will kind of be the signal that you don't want to kind of engage in that collective thing, which is totally fine. Um, but why don't you stand up if you do want to do that? Um, and then just with two or three people around you, whatever happens to be on your heart, whatever's caught your attention from this morning, just pray for that thing. So it might be specific people. It might be a church at the end of your road. It might be um, a project you're involved in. Um, you might be chatting to one of the small group leaders and you want to bless them. What, whatever it is, let's just take two minutes to pray together. That would be amazing.